Y'all act like y'all have never seen a king before. Y'all know what a king looks like, right? Come on. From all the books our parents used to read us and all the shows we used to watch as kids, we all know what a king and a queen looks like. King of this, queen of that, right? <laughs> That's right, Lisa, king of denial. You know, there's a certain prestige that comes with being king. No one can tell a king what to do, right? They have the nicest things, the best horses, the nicest castles, you know, the ones with the drawbridge and the moat, the whole nine yards. And nothing or no one can control a king. He almost seems godly. Heck, many of the real kings in the Old Testament got so big-headed that they didn't need God either, and they came up with their own idols to worship. King Solomon was no exception, okay? He was one of the good kings in the Old Testament. What, and he, what he did for God, or what he asked of God, was for wisdom, and God granted it to him, and he even built a magnificent temple to worship God. And what's crazy is that King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. And if you don't know what the book of Proverbs is, it's a book that tells you whether or not you're going to follow the good things in life or the bad things in life. It tells you, it's basically a blueprint for how to live your life, right? And even though he did all those things, God blessed him with wisdom. He wrote Proverbs. He still fell victim to himself and to other idols. Solomon was a bit of what we would call today a player, right? Aside from Pharaoh's daughter, all right, he had nearly a thousand other wives, all right? He loved the ladies, but the problem was these ladies were from different countries and religious backgrounds, and they did not worship our God, all right? And our God warned these people of Israel not to marry these women. They will get you in trouble. Solomon was probably like, and y'all y'all uh, follow, follow with me if this sounds familiar. Not me, God. Maybe all those other people, but not me. My willpower is strong enough. Besides, you made me the wisest man of all. But Solomon was still a man. He fell victim to his sins, and God took away his kingdom. Y'all laughed and you rolled your eyes when y'all saw me come out here in this Jeremy Almighty outfit. <laughs> there was a time in my life where I wore my crown with my head held high. I would bow down to no one. I started to use drugs and alcohol when I was 16, and I didn't quit until I walked through these doors. I was king, free to worship whatever idol or addiction that I preferred, that I chose, and I didn't care what anyone said about it. I made all the rules, and I was the only one who was right. I had the answers, period. Nobody could tell me nothing. The rehabs I went to, they were wrong about me. I didn't have a drinking or drug problem. Matter of fact, they were so wrong about me, I had some friends of mine come and pick me up to help me escape from that place. Drug problem, whatever. Drinking, pfft, I can quit whenever I want to. 
And then here's the police. I had no idea why the police were locking me up too, constantly. What do you mean I can't ride around with a 12 pack of beer in the, in the back seat and blunt roaches in the ashtray? Y'all, can you believe the police locked me up for passing out, me and a friend of mine passing out at a red light? I mean, we were tired. Didn't care, I don't care how high we were. There was no reason to take us to jail. We were the king. And my family members, y'all. They think they know what's best for me, trying to tell me how to treat people. Don't they know that I'm the king? Yes, sir. King Jeremy of Covington reigns supreme. Till I woke up that Christmas morning alone. Wondering where everyone was and why I had to spend Christmas by myself. The king. Why wasn't everyone realizing the mistakes they were making in my life and changed them? They are making my life hard. My life was completely out of control. I was so far from God and worshiping all other addictions in my life. Something had to break. And God stepped in, tore down the, the, all the enemy's lies that I was believing and started to lead me out of the wilderness my life had become. That morning changed a lot for me. After 30 years of playing God, I finally realized that I needed the real one. Psalms 2.7 says, The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. My name is Jeremy. I'm a grateful follower of Jesus, a recovering alcoholic and drug addict that currently struggles with pride and insecurities. I came into these doors five and a half years ago broken, a shell of a man that I wanted to be and I had hoped to be in my life, hopeless, nowhere to turn, and in a matter of three hours, this place, Celebrate Recovery, and these people, my forever family, with the help of the Holy Spirit, turned my hopelessness into hopefulness. And here I am, a testimony that God can take a mess and turn it into his message. Amen. If you are a newcomer tonight, or have you just been coming here for a little while now, what a great time to be here. It's a new year, and with that, we start back over with the eight principles and 12 steps. A perfect time to begin the new life that Jesus has for you. So I pray that you stick around, you go to 101, you give Celebrate Recovery a try. Matter of fact, at least give us six weeks. In six weeks, if it doesn't work out for you, we have a misery back guarantee. You can take your misery and go back home and we'll see how far that gets you. So tonight we're talking about denial. You know, when I went to 101, after the leaders explained to you what CR is, you go with the, with the, the, the uh, gender-specific leader uh, that you're with, and they, um, they ask you what group you are going to be in. And I, can, I know y'all can tell from what I just talked about my past, I chose the anger group. Right, Jim? I chose the anger group because 
it didn't matter. I still was in denial. I still wanted to wear that mask that I didn't have an alcohol and drug problem, right? I still like to wear that mask. And that's what denial is. Denial is defined as a false system of beliefs that are not based on reality. Y'all, we cannot change what we refuse to confront. The Bible even says it in Jeremiah 6.14. You can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Tonight, we take the first step for the rest of our lives. Principle one, realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Happier are those that know they are spiritually poor. Matthew 5, 3. And that goes along with step one. We admitted we are powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives have become unmanageable. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Romans 7, 18. So the word denial is our acrostic for tonight, and the D stands for disables our feelings. 2 Peter 2.19 tells us, They promised them freedom, while they themselves are slaves to destructive habits, for we are slaves of anything that has conquered us. When we deny our feelings or we hide them behind our mask, it stops them in their tracks. We pretend they aren't there, move on to the next thing, and hope it all gets better. But denying how you feel does not make it go away. It ensures that it never gets resolved. When we feel our feelings and start to understand them is where we start to get the freedom from them. And y'all, sitting in my feelings sober was and still is the absolute hardest thing about recovery. Can I get an amen on that? If it wasn't for Jesus, it would be impossible for me. He tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He gives us the confidence to come out of denial and sit in our feelings because we can rest in him. The next letter tonight is E, and it stands for energy lost. Hiding our hurts, habits, and hang-ups is hard, and it's tiresome. When we hide our issues, it causes us to lie. And y'all know how exhausting lying can be, right? We got to remember who we said what to about where and when. Then we have to remember what we said to who when we were confronted about where we were. Then we, when we were caught in a lie, we have to come up with something on the fly to cover up that lie with another lie. That's exhausting just to say, not, uh, not to mention live out, right? I don't miss one bit about being prisoner to my past or my future due to me trying to be slick and cover up my problems. As we go through this program, you will learn that the only positive change, the only positive change that's going to happen to you is in the present. That's where we live. Psalms 146.7, he frees the prisoners. He lifts the burdens from those bent down beneath their loads. Like I said earlier, 
Jesus will lift the burdens from the past and remove the anxiety from the future. For he says in Matthew 6, 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The next letter tonight is in. Denial negates growth. It negates growth. We are only as sick as our secrets. That's been a long time phrase here in recovery and it still holds true and it'll always hold true. Until we are ready to face our stuff head on, we will stay stuck in the wilderness. The wilderness is a dark and lonely place to be. But it's also a place where God does his best work. We grow in the wilderness. We are refined and, and, and molded in the wilderness. In order for God to bring us out of the wilderness, we have to grow our faith in the one and only God. Put down our, addic our addictions, our negative thoughts, and our compulsions and obsessive behaviors and follow him. Then and only then, he will lead us into the promised land. Guys, your promised land is here. It says in the Bible in Psalms 107, 13 through 14, they cried out to the Lord in their troubles and he rescued them. He led them from darkness and the shadow of death and snapped their chains. Faith grows in the darkness when we have no one else to turn to but God. And anyone who's new to recovery or, or remembers when they first were new to recovery knows that feeling. All right, the I, I in denial is isolates us from God. When we know we aren't being truthful about something, the last person we want to confront, it, confront about it is God. So we try to get as far away from him as we can. How is that working out for you? Y'all, I was taught who Jesus was when I was a young boy. Probably about five or so was my earliest memory of Sunday school. I got baptized when I was 16, but it wasn't too long after that that I started to do the things that got me into my addictions. I started to worship my own, my own idols, which included things like alcohol, drugs, girls, cigarettes, foul language, being in control, making sure people found their happiness in me. Whatever triggered my dopamine, it was what I was all about, which resulted in me isolating myself from God and the truth. See, it's hard to see the truth when you're living in the darkness. 1 John 1, 5-7 says, This is a message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The absolute hardest part of denial is realizing that God is not mad at us. He isn't disappointed in us. He loves us and just like the story of the prodigal son, he longs to look out and see us coming home. 
we come home with a true repentant heart and he washes us white as snow. When we let go of that secret life we've been living for so long, God will grab you up, put new sandals on your feet and throw the biggest party just for you. You are worth it. Remember, he left the 99, right? To go after that one that was isolating from him. You are that important to him. Denial not only isolates us from God, but it alienates us from our relationships. And that's the A, alienates us. Ephesians 4.25, stop lying to each other, tell the truth, for we are parts of each other. And when we lie to each other, we are just hurting ourselves. Denial tells us that we're getting away with it, that we're slick. Us addicts think that we're the smartest people in the world. And in lots of ways, we are. Our denial has fooled lots of people lots of times, but not the ones that matter. Family and close friends can see right through it. Some of, us know, some of our family members know us better than we know ourselves. Remember, you can fool some of the people all of the time, all of the people some of the time, but you can never fool all of the people all of the time. <clears throat> I've been in denial about my insecurities for most of my adult life. I think I've done pretty good about hiding them until I met my wife, Allie. When we got married, I secretly told her that I would, I secretly told myself that I would do my best for her to never see that side of me. I told her on one of our first dates about a time in my life when I had just gotten divorced from my first wife and I had ran into my high school sweetheart. By chance, it had to have been God, right? Just for her six months later to leave me for her ex-husband. <laughs> and I told her this story because one, it did hurt me and it did cause me to not trust women for a while, okay? But I did it really, so I could avoid her. That was my excuse to, I gave her for my insecurities. I had something to blame it on. And this worked for a while until, you know, after we've been married for some years and she's done got to know me good, then my, when my insecurities started flaring up, she was able to call them out. And most of the time, she called them out in love, but then there were times where she was frustrated Rightfully so. Delay is the deadliest form of denial. The longer that I waited and ignored my insecurities, the more damage I was going to do to my marriage. I, have, I haven't worked through them all. Matter of fact, I'm still very much in, on the uphill climb. But calling something that quacks a duck is growth. Because I used to call it a fish. The quicker we get out of denial, the quicker we will see progress. Something in me had to break. It was either my marriage or my hang-up, but I chose the latter. And that leads me to the final letter of our acrostic. The L stands for lengthens the pain. We have come to believe that denial protects us from pain, right? 
Yep, just forget about it. Put it back here. Don't worry about it. The truth about denial is that you're only lying to yourself. When we allow the denial to linger on and continue to ignore it, it will begin to fester and grow into shame and guilt. Anyone that is new to recovery or has relapsed and is coming back knows exactly how that shame and guilt feels, right? Lies have an expiration date. Y'all know this, and if you're still in denial, you know this as well. You can't keep on sitting in denial and stay in the pain as long, or you can keep on sitting in denial and stay in the pain as long as you can. Or you can turn to Jesus, allow him to break the cycle of insanity in, li in your life and walk into a new life that you can find here, right here at Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. Jeremiah 30, 16 through 18 says, But all who devour you will be devoured, and all your enemies will be sent into exile. All who plunder you will be plundered, and all who attack you will be attacked. All those hurts, habits, and hang-ups, y'all, God has an answer for that. I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord, for you are called an outcast. Jerusalem, for whom no one cares. Anyone been there? Everyone felt like an outcast and nobody cared about you? But listen to this. This is what the Lord says. When I bring Israel home again from captivity and restore their fortunes, Jesus, uh, Jerusalem will be rebuilt on its ruins and the palace reconstructed as before. God tells us right there, plain as day, when, when he brings us home again from the bondage that, has, that we've held on to for so long and he restores our fortunes, our health, our relationships, our families, and he rebuilds us not on top of that denial that we had built our lives on, okay, but on the rock, the firm foundation that's Jesus Christ. So tonight we're going to do a little something different here at CR. We've never done it since I've been here. May have done it before in the past, but I don't know. So it's new to me. So it's going, I'm pretty sure it's probably new to most of y'all. I'm going to ask you tonight if you got the courage to walk out of your denial. Maybe this is your first time here. And like me, the hangovers just ain't getting it anymore. You've ran off everybody that loves you, right? And you have become sick and tired of being who you are and you're looking for a new start. Maybe alcohol and drugs aren't a thing. Maybe you have a porn addiction that you're hiding from your wife or your husband, okay? And it's causing your intimacy to, str to struggle and to suffer. Or maybe your struggle is the way you look and you avoid all mirrors at all costs, right? Anything that gives off a reflection. Maybe it's a food issue. Maybe you eat too much or you don't eat enough, but you eat just enough when there's people around so nobody asks any questions. Maybe you fly off the, the handle too quick at home, but it's sunshine and roses when you walk in these church doors. Or maybe you're even in denial that your spouse or your family member has a problem with drugs or alcohol or any other kind of addiction and the enabling has to stop. I may not have hit on what your struggle may be, but whatever it is, 
There's healing for it here. There's healing for it here. Y'all, that denial has to break. When we're living in denial, we are living in a prison in our minds. The false reality will do nothing but lengthen our time in bondage and restricts God's access to us. To come out of denial, we begin to know Jesus. We have to remove our mask, take off the crown, and realize our lives are unmanageable. We ain't God. We need to hand over our crown to whom it belongs. You know, Jesus tells us in John 8, 32, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Blue chips are the sign of surrender here at Celebrate Recovery. It symbolizes the first step that we have to come to to realize our lives are unmanageable and it's time to come out of denial. I'm taking one tonight from my struggle with insecurities. And to symbolize that those insecurities do not have power over me any longer. He's going to handle it from here on out, not me. I can't do it on my own. So I got blue chips up here tonight, here, here, and here. If tonight's the night that you're ready to come out of your denial, leave your hurt, have it, and hang up here at the altar, I pray that you come down, pick up your blue chip, take some time to reflect on your life and the new life you have here once you leave the denial where it belongs, at the foot of the cross. Thank you.